Hey all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. nerds welcome back to another episode of you're gonna die out there i'm jen i'm uh sitting across from my lovely co-host megan hello we are here to share some more stories of people in peril um, wildlife human conflict and Mm -hmm. uh, some amazing survival stories i don't know what megan's talking about today so it could be any of those or all of the above all of the above sure 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 and we're gonna shout out some patreons at the end so stick around for that if you feel so inclined and i want to do a real quick special shout out to one patreon let me just explain myself. Let Megan explain <laughs> what she did. Because even me, I was like, huh? Maybe you had this thought last week when you were listening and you were like, man, my headphones keep popping. What is, what's Why going on? Why does it on? keep cutting off the ends of the words? How come Jen can't talk more so than usual? <laughs> I was like, oh, Jen, I found all these cool editing tools that I didn't mm. know existed in Audacity. And I did them all. The problem was I had already edited like a portion of the episode. And mm-hmm. so it came out truncating a bunch of Jen's words. S's. I was like, thanks, Megan. I already struggle enough as it is. (laughs) So I ended up going back and I caught a few of them towards the end and like just pulled an S from someplace else and like, I don't know, Frankensteined it. The worst was that somehow it cut Nancy. She's one of our new patrons. It cut her name really weird. And so Mm -hmm. I had to actually pull me saying her name and put it in another place. And it just sounded so funky. So I just want to say I'm sorry, Nancy. We are very very happy to have you as a patron. And we uh, promise we can say your name correctly. Apologies. Yes, we it's, promise. It's all Megan's fault. Basically. Well, I'm going to blame it on Audacity. They just don't, <laughs> they don't warn you. No, Megan, things. I appreciate you editing. You're amazing. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jen. So before you talk about what you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. I just wanted to share that Robert Potts, Bob Potts, who wrote us that limerick. Do you oh, remember? yes. Yes. He sent us this video of giraffe sounds after he listened to the giraffe episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, I yeah. should have. I should have looked that up so thanks thanks bob for sending that so i'm just gonna play a little bit of it because i was like what (laughs) these are weird noises it's creepy are you ready (laughs) sounds like a giant burp well it's gotta go so far jen what are they doing i do not know one can only guess whoa i know right I don't know if it's good or bad. Like, is it normal or is, there, is that some sort of distress? I don't want to think it's distress. Yeah, I don't know. Can you see the video or is it just sounds? It's just sounds. Okay. And then they drank some. Drank like a warm Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I don't know. I've never drank a Dr. Pepper in my life. Oh, that's true. Just FYI, or- you guys, Jen doesn't do carbonation. A couple weeks ago, we talked about orcas. That episode, for some reason, is just sticking with me because I learned so much that I didn't know. I mean, I knew they were cool. We know whales are amazing. I just didn't know so much about orcas you know there's so many things to know and learn about in this world and i knew that i wasn't a fan of dolphins orcas whatever being in marine parks used as entertainment right and they're really small enclosures i know all that i'm not going to support it it makes me sad but Mm -hmm. i didn't put so much other thought into it you know there's a lot of things that we want to support one of the things that you and i had talked about was the free willy kiko Yes. That was actually freed and went back to his home waters or close to it. We talked about how cool that was. And even though he didn't live very long, that didn't matter. He had that experience. It happened. He went from this skinny, poor, really sick, poorly treated, amazing bull orca Mm -hmm. and then was brought back. He went to a sanctuary and they had all that money that they put into that sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, well, what happened to the sanctuary? Like, why were there no other orcas or any other dolphins that went to that sanctuary and were able to be rehabilitated and released? Right. Because it seems like it would just be a line of orcas at that point. Like, yeah. Okay, like, we did okay, this one. Next. Next. next right. Next. And we know it's really yeah. expensive and mm-hmm. you need a lot of support. And so maybe that was it. And I don't have that story. And if mm-hmm. somebody out there does or knows what happened, that would be great to yeah, know. But yeah. I don't know why. I'm assuming it was a funding issue. It's mm-hmm. just an enormous amount of money that would be needed to maintain that sanctuary maybe. Yeah. And maybe they didn't have it. Or as we know, I gave you guys all the facts and how many um, were still in captivity. But one of them that really 
really resonates with me and it really bothers me and I wanted to bring it to our listeners because I thought, you know, if we can drum up any more support for this with our itty bitty podcast, then who knows, right? If you look up the world's loneliest killer whale, you'll find all these articles about Kiska. She's an orca that was taken from Iceland when she was four years old. Um, She's at this place called Marineland. It's in Ontario, Canada, and it's actually closed down, but she's still being held there in a very small concrete pool. They have footage of her banging her head against the side of the pool, and that was in September. And people have been really calling for like, let's get her out, let's get her moved. And she's actually been in that tank by herself since 2011. So for 10 years, she's been completely alone in a tank. Is she the orca who had offspring and they all died? Yes. So all the other orcas that were with her in her tank have died. And we talked about how the relationships of orcas are. They're such a social creature. They stick mm-hmm. with their family group. And the offspring are, they stay with the mothers are close by. And the males always stay with their mothers. Right. Which is wild. Which is different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The daughters don't go too far. I mean, they'll go to, um, you know, mate and have their own offspring, but they still stay pretty close. It is just heartbreaking. If that could have happened for Kiko, can this happen for Kiska? Mm-hmm. So I started kind of looking into what other options there are. There's actually another sanctuary being put together right now. Like it is happening. If you go to the Well Sanctuary Project, it's a nonprofit. You can read about it and you can support. And that wasn't an organization that I had on the list because I listed the other ones that were part of the Kiko Rehabilitation Rescue. But they support this as well. So I actually, for our podcast, donated to both this nice. whale sanctuary and to the so the International Marine Mammal Project, IMMP. It's another nonprofit that works towards dolphin and whale marine mammal conservation. And they're really supportive of this as well. So they're opening a sanctuary in a, this large bay in Nova Scotia. They already have it mapped out. I think it's just, it's a 110 acres it's like they're trying to find a place that's like safe there can be more orcas in there and they're looking at that it's deep enough that it's you know it's like there's a lot that goes into this right finding the right kind of spot has the right kind of salinity temperature water flow all these things need to happen they have found it it's just pandemic, of course. And if you want to support, you can go to the Whale Sanctuary Project and do it. And that will be a place where she will go. That's amazing. That she will be there and she will be with other orcas and she can try to live out the rest of her life yeah. in some sort of decent way. Imagine she was taken from the ocean in yeah. 1979. And all she's really known is this like small concrete pool. Yeah. Every other family member she's had has died. All I can think is that we can do something about it try to help out and do our part. Thanks for letting me talk about that. I just wanted to bring it up. Okay, so I do have a science news. It's from sciencenews.org. Hey. They are talking about the large numbers of fish-eating jaguars that are in Brazil's wetland. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. A jaguars. So it's called Huge Numbers of Fish-Eating Jaguars Prowl Brazil's Wetland. And it is written by Jake Bueller. The original article is in October 13th. What? Did we recently do an article by him oh, yeah. as well? Yeah, Bueller. Yeah. Jake, man, you're all <laughs> over the prolific. place. prolific. Oh, he my is. gosh. Well, he's the sciencenews.org guy. Apparently. I thought this kind of nicely tied into our puma mm-hmm, or cougar mm-hmm. episode. We did mm-hmm. talk about jaguars a little bit. Yeah. A little different, but so they updated this in November. There are some biologists, yes. scientists, smart people. They've been hearing that in the central Brazilian wetlands, they're finding a lot of jaguars and they're spending their days wading through these deep waters, like chest deep for Mm -hmm. us water searching for fish and when they're not hunting they're hanging out together which is not normal either so they said usually jaguars are known to be loners like we talked about with cougars they're territorial they hunt on land they live in a wide array of habitats ranging from north american deserts to grasslands and tropical rainforests in central and south america Mm -hmm. they're also found in pantanal i'm not familiar with that area but it's another tropical wetland And it's the largest of its kind. And it's over Brazil, Bolivia, and Paraguay. Paraguay. Paraguay? 
Paraguay. Uh, scientists in Brazil. Mm-hmm. There's also a scientist from England. And you can look it up in this article because I don't want to mess up their names. And they heard rumors that there was these huge numbers of jaguars in this area called, and I think I'm saying this right, Taima Ecological Station. So it's like, actually, it's an ecological reserve. And it's in the remote northern reaches of Pantanal. It's hard to get to. It's a reserve. Then they talked to this other wildlife ecologist at Oregon State University in Carvalis, Tal Levi, T-A-A-L. Anyway, so they got together and they're like, let's start a project so we can understand the jaguar's biology and population status in these in this protected area. Let's do this. And then they're like, team, go. Team Jaguar. This area is seasonally flooded. There's no roads or trails. They got a boat and they set up 59 cameras all in the whole area from 2014 to 2018. And they collected over 1,500 videos of jaguars. And they also captured 13 jaguars and put GPS or radio tracking collars on them so they could see their movements and what they're doing. Based on their data, they estimated that they have the highest density of jaguars ever recorded which was 12.4 animals per 100 square kilometers. So it's nearly triple of some of the other estimates, you know, next highest estimates elsewhere. Mm. And they were also the most common mammal spotted on the cameras. Oh, wow. The video footage showed the jaguars carrying off large fish. And when they analyzed their scat samples, and that was 138 samples, they found that 55% had fish remains and 46% had aquatic reptile remains. Only 11% had mammal remains, meaning they're mostly eating from the river from the river which is very unusual i think they're just opportunistic they're going Mm -hmm. where the food is right jaguars are known to take on challenging prey but they think this group of jaguars have the most fish dependent diet among all the jaguars and among all big cats there's some other tigers in bangladesh that live in flooded mangrove forests and sometimes eat fish but they also still primarily eat land-based food i wonder if that's gonna change that population like in you know what i mean like they're gonna evolve based on their diet like have webbed feet yeah (laughs) the other odd thing about this group and this is what they got from the cameras and the tracking collars showed that they spend a lot of time with each other they'll travel fish and play together and it's very odd based on what they know about big cats or even jaguars elsewhere is that they tend to be Alone. Solitary, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they think it's because there's so much food. Right. And they used bears in, as an example, that bears are pretty solitary, but when they go to fish for salmon, that they're all there together and they're just like catching fish and they don't care. In 2020, some of that area had burned. Unfortunately, they're going to go back and see how they're doing since then. The jaguars face many threats in Brazil, such as drought, fire, and agriculture expansion. Studying this population is really helpful. And here's this population that's doing really well. And I thought, you know, we need some positive news. Totally. Everything I was reading was talking about climate change and how it's changing species that are evolving differently. Their, you know, migratory patterns are changing. Their size is changing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it today, Megan. I just want to stay positive. Let's do a little positive action. Yeah, I want to talk about jaguars just like eating some fish and being besties. Well... I love that you talked about jaguars that are in South America because I'm going to talk about a place in South America today. What? Again, this is not like some kind of staged no, thing. No, it's not. We I don't plan it this. Happens. I really have no idea what she's talking about. We must somehow just like mind meld. Our minds are like connecting. Are you ready for some Hold on, I'm just going to drink my coffee. Yeah, yeah, By the way, it's thing. like Sunday morning. I woke up early to come over and do this. It's an early morning. I feel like both of us are morning people now. It's true. You've probably always been a morning person. I I was not. Even when I was a teenager, when you're like not supposed to be a morning person, I was a morning person. All right, moving on. Today, Jen, we are going to be traveling to Colombia. Colombia. Colombia, South America. Okay. We're going to talk about Pablo... Emilio Escobar Gaviria. Wait, is that the drug guy? Yes, a very like well-known cocaine smuggler. So he was born in Rio Negro and he was raised in nearby Medellin, Colombia. And his parents, his dad was a farmer and his mom was a school teacher. They say that he got his beginnings as... A criminal by falsifying documents. So starting out as a teen with report cards. And then when he went to school in Medellin, he went to like a university there, he figured out how to falsify the degree, like the actual diploma degree. When was this? This is in the 70s. So he was born December 1st, 1949. Okay. This would be like... Oh, it's the same year as my mom. Same year as my mom. Oh, right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah when he was a teen 
so what is that like 60s mm, yeah, mid yeah, yeah. 60s yeah. yeah he did these forgeries on but back then i mean things. it was so easy well yeah i mean you just <laughs> you could some forge anything. Out. yeah for sure he actually didn't graduate from that university or college and i'm like did he falsify his own thing or he just was like whatever i don't need this i can live this life of crime it's all good there's a story that he had stolen tombstones and then shaved off the names and everything and then (gasps) resold them but then i read this other report that that's just like a myth that he had actually worked for a mortuary at one point and that was his job was to like tombstones that either weren't paid for but those people weren't buried yet, or or I guess oh. they decided not to use a tombstone, or there was an error. I don't know. They would just like clear them off and then resell them. That would be pretty bad. You could take it either way. Yeah, I'm sure it was completely legit. A lot of people know about Pablo Escobar. He has movies, documentaries, mm-hmm. books, all the things. So I'm only going to kind of hit some basic stuff about him. He did eventually branch out into stealing cars, and he was arrested for the first time in 1974. And after he got out of jail, that's about the time he started drug smuggling. So late 70s, he started focusing on cocaine. And he eventually builds up what is known as the Medellin cartel, one of the biggest cocaine cartels, drug cartels Mm -hmm. in the world. And he is known then, you know, in the following years as a narco terrorist. He's a torturer. He's like sadistic. Mm -hmm. uh, But also he's a very loved person in Colombia. And it's also said by Forbes, I think they actually listed him as one of the richest people in the world at the time. It was estimated that he made $420 million a week, a week. And he, with a reported worth of $25 billion, of course, he's not paying taxes or anything like that. (laughs) What What do you mean? So he spent a lot of that money on himself and his family. Um, He bought cars, planes, houses, boats, all the things that you would imagine a drug cartel operator owner would be. Millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. It was reported that in the late 1980s, he actually offered Colombia to pay off the country's debt of $10 billion if he would be exempt from any extradition treaty. So he's like, hey, if I get, if like someone from some other country wants to prosecute me and extradite Uh me there, what if I pay off the national debt? And then- (laughs) I bet they were like, yeah, no problem. That sounds good. They totally did it. I'm like- They didn't do it? But there is something that like later on, he did get some kind of deal for, like he paid off some government to not be extradited to the US. I'm surprised they didn't go for that. There is a story, and this part kind of sounds like a myth to me as well but it could be totally true that when he and his family so in the in the early 90s like 91 93 someplace around there he and his family are on the run from the government it's said that he burned two million dollar bills to keep his family warm they were in south america would you need to be warm maybe to cook something i don't know but but just burning money just that sounds like an urban money. legend. It does to me. So I, just I mean, thought who that knows? It could have been cold or they could have needed but burning money. I mean, I'm sure at some point, probably he burned some money as a, you know, just, just like, like, I don't, I don't even need this. It's kind of crazy. 10% of the money that he makes every year or made every year, he couldn't spend it all. I mean, it was like, t- and it's not like he can put it into a legitimate bank. It's not like he can invest it anywhere because it's, it's drug money. And I, I don't know if he was not laundering it or what was going, like, I don't know what his internal operations were in that way. But uh, it turns out that they actually kept money in warehouses. And 10% of that money was written off, I'm using air quotes here, because of rats or weather. They just knew that rats were going to make nests out of the money, like 10% of it, just whatever. Wow. So he is considered by many and possibly himself to be the Colombian Robin Hood. He built hospitals, stadiums and housing for the poor. And he even sponsored local soccer teams. And they actually elected him to an alternate seat in Congress in Colombia in 1982. But he was forced to resign because there was a campaign to expose how he was like this massive criminal. I mean, everyone, I'm sure everybody knew. Yeah, but (laughs) at the same time, if he's like building your kid's school. Yeah. Or, you know, feeding poor people or... Yes. You know, he did all these great things for the community. But then on the other side of it, he's like murdering. Yeah, not cool. Running drugs and... Not cool. Yeah. When he was elected, they forced him to resign because there was a justice minister, I forget the name, who ran this campaign to expose him as a criminal and this horrible person and all the things he was doing that was not good. That justice minister was later uh, assassinated. So strange. Pablo Escobar liked to handle his problems. They 
call it plata o plomo, which means silver or like bribes or lead bullets. So uh, like I'm going to either bribe you or I'm going to kill you. Like there's two ways we can handle this problem. going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> you know, like. 100. Yeah. Solo yeah. mafia style. Yeah. And he reportedly killed 4,000 people <gasps> plus. Yeah. Including mostly they were like police officers, government officials. And then in 1989, his cartel was blamed for detonating a bomb on, I think it was uh, not Avian. I think that was might be the name of the flight. There was a, they detonated a bomb on a plane that killed all the people who were on board. I think it was like over 100 people on the plane because there was supposed to be an informant or something on that flight. And on that flight were Americans. So then the US was like, hello. Hold up. They're like, all right, we know you've been running drugs to like Miami and to Florida and all this. We like, we know this is going on, but now mm-hmm. you went and killed some people who are our citizens. So now we're going to get involved. Not cool. Here we come. Yeah, like in 1991, Escobar turned himself into authorities, but he was like, listen, I'm going to turn myself in, but I want to build my own prison. Like, I don't want to stay in your prison, but I'll make my own prison and then I'll like house arrest myself. And they're like, okay, fine. They actually agree to it. Wow. Yeah. Guarantee people are getting paid off for this. He built what's called the La Cathedral and there's no H in it. So I think it's Cathedral. It was very luxurious. It had a nightclub, a sauna, a waterfall, a soccer field. He had telephones, computers, fax machines. He basically just like, it was like a house. Giant mansion compound as his prison. And then while he was there, he tortured and killed two of his cartel members. And the officials were like, okay, so this is no good. Wait, why? Maybe they did something he didn't like. For sure he had crocodile everywhere. Well, we'll talk about that. Okay. Wait a second. Okay. This is not a crocodile episode. Just up front. I'm telling you, it's not a Thank crocodile. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I see your eyes over there like, I swear to God. The the police officials from Colombia were like, all right, this, you know, luxurious existence you're having right now, like you're able to actually still run your operation. You're able to like kill people. <laughs> like, like wait a minute. This is not prison. We, <laughs> like, we, we thought, thought you were going to build like, you know, a cell and you're going to live in it with like yeah. a nice toilet or something. Yeah. Like they're like, all right, we're not into this. We're going to move you to a less, quote, unquote, less accommodating prison. But he escapes July 1992 before they are able to move him. He's like, I'm not going to go to jail. After he escapes, the Colombian government gets aid from the U.S. They have this like massive manhunt. And on December 2nd, 1993, which if you will remember, he was born on December 1st. Uh-huh. 1949. He was celebrating his 44th birthday. Okay. He had cake, wine, and some marijuana. And a marijuana cake. And the next day, December 3rd, he's at this hideout in Medellin. So he keeps kind of going back to his hometown because that's where his people are, right? They find him the next day. They storm the building. There's a couple people who are like with him who get shot. He attempts to run across the roof as an escape, just like straight out of like Mission Impossible. And it's like the Spanish tile roofs. So it's like, it does not look comfortable, like easy to run across no (laughs) they did shoot him and they killed him he was shot three times the fatal shot was to his head through his ear and there are two things that people talk about here they say that um he would say that he would rather have a grave in colombia than a jail cell in the u.s they think that he killed himself like that he's the one who shot himself maybe they shot him a couple times he knew he was trapped he couldn't get away and so he killed himself but why was it like a different caliber bullet in his head i didn't go into that much detail i need the forensics on that thing i'm very sorry (laughs) yeah he was wounded to the point where he knew he couldn't right Yeah. And there are pictures and I'm trying to decide if I'm going to post them or not of his dead body. It's like a very famous picture, apparently, of him laying on the tiles of the roof and these guys who are in that operation standing around him like a trophy kill. That's very wild, wild west. Very. The thing that I'm going to talk about today, because that's our basic background on Pablo Escobar. Okay. If you want to know more about him, go Go watch one of the plethora of documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the most notorious cocaine transporter drug smuggler in the world. Yeah. I feel like people just know his name. Okay. But today we're going to talk about Hacienda Napoles, which is a very large 7,000 acre estate that Pablo Escobar built. It is named after Naples, Italy, and it's between Bogota, the capital of Colombia and Medellin. And it cost him about $63 million to build. It includes a soccer field, dinosaur statues, artificial lakes, a bullfighting arena, and then charred remains of a classic car collection that I guess when he moved in, a rival cartel blew it up so that he just like kept all of his classic cars, yeah. <laughs> charred remains there. It has an airstrip, a tennis court, 
short end, a zoo. When he died, that zoo went into ruin. Then no one was taking care of it anymore. It's like he died, his cartel kind of, it didn't like fully vanish, but it disintegrated. Yeah, they lost their leader. Yeah. So in this zoo, he had about 200 animals. He had elephants, ostriches, 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 ostriches. Those big ass birds that look like emus, <laughs> zebras, camels, giraffes, and hippopotamuses. National Geographic did an episode on the hippos. And what we're going to talk about today, Jen, are hippopotamuses. Nice. Also known as Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Oh my God. Which immediately makes me think they're snorting cocaine. But that's not the case at all. The cartoon image of that. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite murder, because they have the cocaine bear. episode and and i think that they were talking about the cocaine hippos whatever that one animated thing that they do yeah they got the the guy who does the animation for them it's so funny so yeah national geographic did an episode they had this series i think it was called invaders why didn't i write it down in here anyway actually watched it again it was filmed in 2011 where they talk about these hippos of those 200 animals after he died someone came and took a bunch of them but they couldn't ever get the hippos Hippos were too dangerous for them. And he originally had four of them. I mean, I'm sure there's other zoos in Colombia. So probably they came in. You're gonna talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very concerned about the animals right now. Yes. The hippos stayed there. They had their own lake, their own grass field. Let's just kind of talk about hippos real quick. So we get like a little biological information about them just to put it all in perspective. Okay. So their scientific name is Hippopotamus amphibious. Oh. They spend a lot of time in water. They are mammals. They're herbivores. So they have two group names that I read about. One of them is a school, which makes me laugh because it's like they're giant fish. Uh Uh-huh. And the other one, do you want to guess? A group. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chunkies. Chonkies. (laughs) A group of chonkies. That's what it should be, (laughs) honestly. Because, you know, I'm thinking of Madagascar part three. Yeah. Like, girl, you chunky. (laughs) Your daughter does a really good, like, impression of that. She does. It's very funny. Yeah. No, they're called bloats. Oh. I know. I was like, that's a a little bit morbid. I mean, yeah. It makes me think of not good things. Did you ever read to your son the Sandra Bounton books? Mm -mm. They're like little cardboard books. She has one. It's all about animals. And there's one called Hippos Go Berserk. No. And I read it to my daughter almost every night. And it's about all these hippos going to a party. And when they finally all get there... Then they just like dance like crazy and go berserk. (laughs) That's adorable. Hippos average lifespan is 40 years in the wild. They are 9.5 to 14 feet long, like head to tail. Oh, head and body. Sorry. And then their tail is 13.75 to 19.75 inches. So essentially they're, what is that? Like nine, they can be like 16 feet long head to tail, something like that. Yeah. I think I'm doing the math right. And they weigh from 1.5 to 4 Tons. They are a very large. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of stones. That's a lot. So the IUCN red list lists them as vulnerable and their current population trend is decreasing. So oh, bummer. No good. Yeah. In Africa. Okay. Let's just say that that's in Africa. <laughs> So the hippopotamuses, they love water. The Greeks referred to them as river horses, and they can spend 16 hours a day submerged in rivers and lakes. So they, just like crocodiles, which we did talk about in the Gustav episode, was that hippos were there in that area. They're like natural enemies. They also like that slow moving water with like banks where they can kind of get up sometimes, but most of the time they stay submerged. Their eyes and nose are on the top of their head, so they can just kind of like creep with just like the top part of their head sticking out in their little flippy ears. Yeah. And they look so cute, but underneath the water is like 6,000 pounds of just sheer... Killer. Killer. Yeah. Why do they make them look so cute? They want to disarm you, but they're herbivores, so... They're graceful in the water, they are good swimmers, and they can hold their breath underwater for up to five minutes. Oh, that's not very long. Yeah, it's not very long at all. Huh. I guess I would think if they spend that much time in the water that they would be able to hold their breath long. Yeah. But I guess they just hang out. Yeah, they just kind of float there together. Yeah. And they're so large that because they're in these slower moving rivers, which are usually like sh- more shallow in depth, uh-huh. they kind of do that thing that when you were a kid, you like you weren't like a good swimmer, mm-hmm. you would go to the, po- the point where you would have your face up, your ears were in the water, but you'd be like kind of touching the bottom and like <laughs> yeah. bouncing yourself. Uh-huh. That's what hippos are doing. Wait, don't they call a group of crocodiles a float? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, crocodiles, it's the float. And then hippopotamuses are a bloat. Because float was already taken. So they went with bloat, which is lame. 
Yeah. Because they seem like more of a float. Uh, more of a floaty. Yeah. Because they're like big and floofy. Yeah. Well, not floofy, just big. <laughs> they stay in the water because they have really sensitive skin. They are trying to hide from the African sun. They don't even make enough sunscreen for us. Well, fun fact is that hippos will sometimes bask on the sh- shoreline. Uh-huh. But they secrete this red oily substance that acts as like a skin moistener and then also a sunblock. Oh, weird. Yeah. Why does it have to be red? I don't know. And I guess people used to think that they secreted blood, like they were just sweating blood. That's what I would think. It should be white, like sunscreen. Yeah. I mean, and it deflects the sun. Sure. Come on, evolution. Well, just like how elephants cover themselves in mud and then the mud usually turns white, right? Yeah. But this is from inside their body. So I don't know. Which I didn't know this about them. And I've always kind of wondered why they always look a little bit like raw, like pinkish. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Pink. It's like they're gray, yeah. but there's like a pink hue to it. Okay. Yeah. So that's apparently what that is. Okay. They do not go out to forage during the day usually. They usually wait until the sun sets and they go out to grasslands and they eat like 80 pounds of grass. So they'll go up to somewhere around five to six miles away from where their water source is, mm-hmm. eat a bunch of grass, and then come back. And actually, 80 pounds of grass per hippo, just based on their size, is actually not a lot. That's not a lot of food fuel for that size of a body. But at the same time, they're just kind of floating around. Bloating. Bloating around. But <laughs> <laughs> They can run on land at about 30 miles an hour, which is impressive for their size. That is fast. They don't attack people, but if they feel threatened, just like the giraffes. Yeah. If they feel threatened, they're going to charge at you. And that's a massive amount of weight just coming to you. And I I can't remember the exact number. I think it was like 100 people a year die from hippo attack in Africa. What? But is it in the water or on land? I think it's usually on land. Although there have been some water incidents. I watched this video of a woman and her family. They had gone to Africa and they were in the water on like a kayaking trip and there was a bunch of hippos they didn't know about. They turned the corner and the hippos were right there. And a big hippo actually came and flipped their kayak and then dragged the husband (gasps) down and actually ended up biting his leg off. Oh my God. Yeah. And let go of him and he got out and then he had to get a prosthetic. Oh my gosh. And that is why? Because they came up on the territory. They're just in their territory and they've got young and... Yeah, especially if they have young, so... Super territorial. That's in Africa. In Colombia, which we'll talk about these hippos in Colombia here in a minute, but there have not, I think there's been like one accident that happened. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll get to them. Okay. Hippo calves, when they're born, weigh nearly 100 pounds and they can suckle on land or underwater. And when they suckle underwater, their nose and ear flaps close up (gasps) so that they can suckle. I know. Wait, can I just say that they weigh less than a newborn giraffe? They do. I think it said something like 80 to 100 pounds. Yeah, giraffes are around 150 pounds when they're born. They don't joke around. Yeah, that's the real deal right there. What's up, hippos? (laughs) (laughs) What's that? 80 pound baby (laughs) watch this and it's totally opposite of like polar bears and seals that spurt out like a teeny tiny little yes it's like bloop it's like a little (laughs) little tiny like one pound the imagery of whenever we talk about these animals being born (laughs) is just like what what's happening here Uh, like in polar bears it was just like a little poof yeah they didn't they didn't even know they're like wait a second did i just fart (laughs) What's that? It's a little weird. Whereas giraffes are like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like the screaming labor images. I'm imagining that hippos give birth in water. I can't remember if they say, which it is very here. nice, right? They're it's just a water birth. They're the original water birth mammals. Yeah. Uh, Each female has one calf every two years. After she has the baby, she'll join a school of of hippos, a bloat of hippos, Uh um, to provide protection against crocodiles, lions, and hyenas. That is in Africa. I got to make the distinction now because we have two populations here, one in Colombia and one in Africa. The one in Colombia is like four. They're imported. We'll get there. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. Hippos used to have a really large distribution, but now they live in eastern, central, and southern sub Sahara, Africa, and that is where they are in decline. So no good. That is no good. There are two species in the family Hippopotamidae. There's the common river hippo, which are kind of like the big hippos that we think of in Africa. And then there's the pygmy hippo. And the pygmy hippo is a native of West Africa. It's a solitary 
nocturnal creature that lives in forested areas and survives on an herbivorous diet of grasses and leaves. Both of these species of hippos, they need the cooling waters to survive. So the river hippos are one of the largest animals on the planet, but the pygmy hippo, a full-grown pygmy hippo, gets to only about 600 pounds. Saber is like a mini hippo. He's like a mini pygmy. One last little fact about hippos is that they fling their poo to mark their territory. (gasps) And I saw this video of a hippo. I think it's farting a bunch in the water. It was like... (laughs) (laughs) So I guess they fling their poo like on land. And then they also, of course, poops in the water. How do they fling their poo? They they have like little short nubbin legs. I think they they use their tail to like... (laughs) (laughs) Megan's doing this like wiggle. Like... So they use so their tails, they, ah. like they poo and then the tail like, flip, <laughs> it just like flips it over. Yeah. It just like distributes it like a windshield wiper. Like when they're on, wait, from the water or when they're on land? I think mostly on land. Okay. So they're super gassy. They eat a lot of veg. Total vegan. They need some vino. And they're huge. That would be a lot of gas. I got to find this video. I'll try and find it and put it in the, the references. I'll just, I'll name it like hippo fart video. It just added to my cartoon animal brain of them going around and just passing gas and being like oops <laughs> excuse oh me <laughs> it's just like the longest loudest toots ever <laughs> <laughs> just like that i didn't mention this before but if hippos are feeling threatened they will open their mouth super wide and they'll make really loud noises i've seen it and then they will charge so that's kind of like final deal that's a good indication it's not like a subtle thing like no. like giraffes are just like i'm lumbering towards you and now i'm angry and now i'm kind of angry and it's like you wouldn't know but the way they look when they open their mouth. Yeah, I think the largest their teeth get is like three and a half inches. I think I read that, which is large. That's for a tooth. Yeah, but I'm sure they have a lot of uh, Uh, bite pressure. I did not put that in my notes. I'm sorry. Man. So now that we know some basic stuff about hippos, we're going to talk about these hippos that Pablo Escobar brought to his hacienda. There were four, one male and three females. Do you know when it was that they were brought in? I think it was like late 80s. Okay. When he was bringing in all these different animals, he he kind of has like an obsession, a love of African animals. What is it with rich dictator-like-esque people that they have to have like a menagerie of... Exotic animals. Exotic animals. Yeah. What is that? Can't they just have like a bunch of chickens and some goats and... But it seemed like he was really obsessed with the animals, more like the ungulates or like hippos or that. Uh He did have a rhino. I don't know if he had two rhinos or just the one. And he had some water buffalo just a lot. So in this National Geographic episode, there's this guy named El Chino, and I did not write down his actual name. That's like his moniker. I mean, he was the personal photographer for Pablo Escobar throughout the 70s and 80s and early 90s. He just like was there with the family all the time taking photos. Okay. And I was like, what all did you take photos of? Like when he like killed and tortured people? Did you like take photos of that? Like he's just like... (laughs) He's like, El Chino, come in here and take a picture of this guy. I want to commemorate this moment. Yeah. Pull his nails off. Right. (laughs) Like, what did he take? Pablo Escobar was like, hey, listen, El Chino, I want you to come down to my zoo. I want you to take photos of all the animals. I want you to make a brochure. For who? Are people For going people there? For people to come visit. Yeah. No, like, he, he like, like let people come in and visit. Like a real, like public. I think it was mostly a private zoo. I think that he also, though, let people visit. I don't think it was like just public could come in. But right. he's like, yeah, I want pictures for this brochure this to show all the animals that I have. And then I also want pictures of me with the animals just for my personal right. edification. Anyway, so El Chino goes down there he does all these pictures and he was saying that at the time you know no no zoos no reputable animal uh, distributor I can't think of the word but actually worked with Pablo Escobar he wasn't with the AZA yeah the zoological association it's like the American Association for Zoos and Aquariums yeah the AZA basically is kind of like known for they're the ones that put the stamp of approval on zoos in general in aquariums yeah so I guess originally he was gonna do that he was gonna work with a reputable legit agency to bring in these animals right. for the zoos but I guess the government red tape was just too much for him and so he was like F it I'm just gonna smuggle them I'm a smuggler I'm gonna smuggle them in that's what you do when you got billions of dollars right and you're so a smuggler. he smuggled these ginormous animals he gets these pictures taken in 1993 he dies the four hippos stay eventually the male dies the hippos but go berserk <laughs> hippos go berserk <laughs> every what was like every two years a female can have one hippo so at this time in 2011 there are 32 hippos in this lake when hippos 
hippos are in Africa. They have natural predators, right? And there's also drought times. When the watering hole dries up, hippos that are weak or sick or whatever, that makes them more prone to disease, they end up dying. That kind of keeps the population in check. But in Colombia, there is no dry season. There are no predators. So they are an invasive species. Yes. They're like, we have all this water. There's this giant grassland next to us. It's super great. Let's proliferate. <laughs> that's that's just, what's happening. You just made a rhyme. I know. So yeah, the hippos are living their best life. In 2011, there are these two guys. There's a wildlife health specialist, Carlos Valderrama, and then there's a guy who kind of takes care of the hippos at this facility, Umberto Yaramillo. And they go out at night and they have to basically keep track of all the hippos yeah. because they know that hippos are really dangerous. And even though they seem super cute and docile and all of this, and they're just like giant, fluffy, slow moving animals, that's not the reality. And people in Colombia don't deal with those kinds of animals. So it's like these guys have to make sure that they stay inside the enclosure that that was built for them. But the problem is that hippos are very territorial, especially male hippos. And so when there's like an alpha male hippo, Mm -hmm. he's going to run out all of the non-alpha male. I hate that term, alpha male. But anyway, he's going to run out the, the other males that he doesn't want there. And then where do they go? There's a river nearby. So they have to kind of like watch and they can see that these young male hippos are getting kicked out and people are like, well, why don't you just take the young male back to the group? And they're like, Mm -hmm. we can't. He's just going to get kicked out again. They're having to deal with wanting to keep all the animals to stay there, but they can't. And that they just keep proliferating. So like, what are we going to do? Basically, this episode is like, how are we going to take care of these hippos? Originally, they're like, we're going to euthanize them. But they're beloved. Pablo Escobar was kind of a beloved dude in this community. Yeah. And they loved him. The zoo was left, right? And then they eventually built it into it. You can go visit there today. Almost like an amusement park. You can go and see the hippos that are there in the park but there's one of the male hippos that run off they end up finding him and they secure a trophy hunter to come and kill this hippo and he does he kills the hippo there's this awful picture of like all these like military guys like in uniform around the hippo and it looks very similar to the Pablo Escobar photo I guess the picture gets leaked and everyone in Colombia is insanely angry they're like you cannot kill these animals they are beloved Like, what are you doing? It just goes completely left field. People are like, we don't care. Like, we love them. It's Uh like hippo themed everything, by the way, in Medellin. At the Hacienda Napolis, it's like everybody's into hippos. There's a giant pink statue of a hippo. I mean, it's just like so (laughs) many things. They just freaking love them. So the people are like, absolutely not. We cannot kill the hippos. You guys got to figure out something else. So they're like, all right, maybe we can castrate them. But hippo gonads for both male and female are internal. So this kind of reminded me because you just got your German shepherd neutered this week and found out that one of his testes didn't descend. Yeah. Crypt orchidism. Yeah. And you had mentioned that when they did the surgery, they had, he had like an extra incision because it's like they had, they have to go find it. He has three incisions. One or both can be inside. They say by the time they're two months old, they should descend. And if they don't, then yeah, it can cause problems later on. Like it can twist or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to find the other or both. He's wearing a big cone of shame right now. Mm. Poor boy. Hippos, the testicles never descend. They are always internal. To castrate them is really difficult. It's like a major surgery. It's a major surgery. On a 6,000 pound yes. animal. The amount of money that it would take to even catch the hippo and then to sedate it and then do the surgery. But couldn't they do like some sort of birth control? Yeah. The Colombian authorities have decided they're going to sterilize the herd with a chemical contraceptive called Gonacon. Love it. Which is like, wow. <laughs> Someone really... <laughs> like it's just like gonad murder. Yeah. Like that's what it sounds like. Exactly. We are against gonads. They put it into their food and apparently it's a type of contraceptive that has never been used on hippos before. I think it's a temporary sterilization, but then if they eat enough of it, it becomes they're fully sterilized. So that's kind of where they're going. And they have so far sterilized as of, I think this, there's an article by the BBC, I think it was in like 2020 or 2019. They had so far sterilized 24 of now over 120 (gasps) hippos. Oh my God, that's amazing. 2011, if you watch this video from Nat Geo, they're like, we have 32 hippos. We have to control this population in like 10 years. (laughs) There's going to be 100. And here we are in 2021. And there's like 120. That's amazing. And definitely those guys are like, we told you so. Well, yeah, we tried (laughs) to tell you. There is a real difficulty moving them. Number one, 
It's not like they have hippo scientists, a hippo uh, <laughs> biologist. Then they need to get one. It, what's crazy is in Africa, they're, well, in 2011, they show the difference in between, you know, there's like these yeah. Colombian biologists who are like, I don't know shit about hippos. I have to learn new things every day. And then these guys in Africa who have giant operations to relocate certain hippos, if there's too many in one area, they want to kind of spread out the population so there aren't issues with aggression and that kind of right, stuff right, to right. kind of keep them going. And so they will trank a hippo put it on like a giant flatbed truck and then drive it and they got to do this for each hippo and it's, it's a massive effort and what if they're in an area with no roads or i mean you can't put it on a plane that's like seven thousand, or like a helicopter they did dart them from helicopters originally they in africa they were like putting up these things in the river little nets to try and catch the hippos but it was mm-hmm. like the hippo just went straight through the net so they ended up doing flyby tranking Colombia, they're like, yeah, we don't have the resources that these people in Africa have. And it's flourishing. They're flourishing. And some people are like, well, why don't you guys just send them to Africa? I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> like the amount of money and the logistics and like, how do you ship a hippo? If you can't get a goddamn orca back to Iceland. Thank you. Then how are you going to get a 120 hippos? Just put them on a plane, a big hippo plane. We're going to be, we'll be serving all vegan. Give them some Dramamine. <laughs> They'll be okay. Like, listen, there were a couple zoos in Colombia who took some hippos. So there's, a, I think, a, another zoo but in there's Medellin. like only so many they can take. There's only so many and only so many zoos can even handle hippos. Right. It is, I think, now considered the largest invasive population, like physically largest invasive species on the planet. Wow. I mean, besides They're loving it. It is fully hippo paradise. They're just so happy because they have water and they have food. Yeah. And they just chill out and nobody bothers them. No hyenas. No hyenas. No nothing. No nothing. They've never known. It's like they sit around at night and they like tell each other stories about their great, 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 great granddad who talked about how they, you know, he had seen crocodiles before. Mm -hmm. He was brought to this like wonderful land. (laughs) (laughs) All the hippos in in Africa are like, we one day will go to the hippo paradise in Colombia. (laughs) Have we have heard, heard of, of this? this place. It is magical. They show Carlos Val- Valderrama going to feed the hippos. They feed these, well, at the time when they just had the 32, they would feed them to try and keep them in one location, right? So they wouldn't go off and wander and they would make carrots and, and they would put supplements in their, I mean, they're really healthy hippos, insanely healthy. It made me laugh because they were like, we have to go on horseback to feed these hippos and we drop it off and then we have to like jump back on the horse and kind of like gallop away because they get a little bit weird when we go to put the food down and they show it. And it's so funny because it's like, they're dumping out the food and the hippo sound in the background is like, uh, 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 uh. It's like they're laughing. It's like <laughs> in a really creepy ass way. <laughs> creepy ass way, like <laughs> you have to feed us. And it happened every time that they were near the hippos, and I was like, these hippos are just punking you. Oh, totally. It was great. Yeah, they're like oh, they're back. Make that sound. Totally freaks them out. <laughs> then they run away. Yeah, it's hilarious. So funny. So now the hippos have spread out through uh, one of Colombia's main waterways, the River Magdalena. There's a lot of issues with just the fact that they're large mammals. That's a big problem um, if they could attack humans. I mean, there's a lot of fishermen mm-hmm. on this river. It's like a way of life. Like, that's a big problem. But one of the biggest issues, I, I feel really, it's just funny. I mean, obviously, I didn't think about this until I read about these hippos, but it's the poop, Jen. I was going to say, is it the poop and the gas? Yeah, they make a lot of poop and it causes algal bloom. Yeah, like a methane yes. overdose. And fish die off, which is a major issue for fishermen in yeah. the area who are living in that you know way of life so it's like they have to figure out a solution because they're changing the ecosystem yes with their poos god yeah that's kind of where they are now and just recently i read an article that the hippos of colombia have been uh, recognized by the u.s court as interested person i think there's a piece of the amazon that's also considered a person legally Uh because it's something having to do with the way that they're handled or Mm -hmm. or like any kind of legislation with that Amazon rainforest and then now these hippos. I don't fully understand that part. Let me just read a little portion from it. The Animal Legal Defense Fund, which sought the interested person's designation for the quote-unquote cocaine hippos, called the ruling by a judge in the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Ohio a quote, critical milestone in its larger effort to have the American legal system recognize quote, enforceable rights for animals. So I think this has to do with when they start talking about culling the hippos. Like they don't want them culled. They want them managed. 
advantage. We should but not, not cool. call them the cocaine hippos. <sighs> Agreed. Like that is just kind of like, that's it's, not their fault. It's not a nice moniker. And it it's makes not. you think he smuggled cocaine inside of them. That's what it makes. Yes. Yes. Balloon filled cocaine right. in their system. And then they just shat it out and like <laughs> sprayed it around, flung it. <laughs> um, October 26, 2021. So very recently. Yeah. Uh, the Washington Post put Last out this month. article. Yeah. That they had been ruled interested persons. It doesn't necessarily di- like directly affect anything in Colombia, but it might help with getting scientists or folks from like US departments to go down there to be able to do some kind of work with the hip. It like provides some legal pathway for funding and right. people to do work. Those kinds of things. All right. All right. Well, that's basically it. That's all I have about the hippos. Uh, Pablo Escobar's hippos. We're not going to refer to them as you know, like, I guess we could say formerly known as the cocaine, the cocaine hippos. I saw some articles about that, but I didn't really dive into it. So I'm glad that you covered it because it's super interesting. Yeah. I just want to say that that kid's book that I brought up about hippos go berserk. Yeah was from 1977, which I didn't realize it was that old. I have all that author's books. And this one in particular is a counting book, which I think fits nicely with your because the hippos just increase in numbers until they go berserk. So it's like it starts out and I'm trying to do this from memory because I don't have the book in front of me and I can't (laughs) find it where it's online that it gives it to you. But it's like one hippo all alone calls two hippos on the phone, three hippos at the door, bring along another four. And then it's like five hippos and it goes on until there's like a lot of them and then they just have this big hippo party so i feel like that's what happened yeah someone went down to columbia they like she saw the hippos and she was like i gotta write a book about this This is gonna happen they're gonna multiply maybe we just call them party hippos yes because cocaine because (laughs) with like a chain and some hair so like a leisure suit you're going back to like early yeah 70s a silk silk leisure leisure suit gold silk it's like casino i like it party hippos there's like a michelle pfeiffer hippo (laughs) (laughs) just full of gas just just flatulence but it's fine probably that's part of the mating ritual i don't know it is Uh, but they do mate in water though i did see that that's sexy (laughs) girl you chunk it (laughs) it's just making me think of like a weird hot tub it's like a hot tub full of farts that they're just like (laughs) doing it in if it's just like cocaine on the side yeah (laughs) like leaning over to the side like but we still love them they're They're not really cocaine hippos they're They're not they're just living their best life hippos they're like hey we didn't bring ourselves here by the way we're not the ones we got smuggled here there's a really funny quote from this carlos valderrama the wildlife specialist or whatever Uh you know like we have to deal with these hippos and it's all because some drug lord wanted some hippos (laughs) (laughs) i just love the way he says it he's like this guy can you drug lords please like just (laughs) stop 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 doing this can you just adopt some freaking cats? Let's start a rescue. Yeah. Or just how about, a lot of, you know, some chickens or some ducks? Like, come when, on. When he first brought them over, why didn't he get it castrated? That would have, I feel like if, I just I mean, wonder if that much thought really went into sure. it. Sure. It was just he like, just I got like, these four hippos. He's like, hey, hey, bring me some hippos. <laughs> and like, they're like, how many? He's like, I don't know, like, you know, four, four. or five. It's yeah. whatever. And they brought it over and they're like, you have a male and three females. He's like, sweet, throw them out there. Cool. Cool. Maybe they'll make some babies. They'll be cute. A cute baby hippo. It's like when people get gerbils <laughs> and they're like, oh, I have like two gerbils. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have like a hundred gerbils. <laughs> and you're like, when did this happen? Gerbils from the Sahara Desert. <laughs> yes. By the way, the oh, Sahara. Yeah, the Sahara. Man, yeah. we got to stop bringing animals from Africa. Just leave them in Africa. Well, that was an interesting story. My organization to support is the African Wildlife Foundation. Mm-hmm. They've been around for 60 years. But that's in Africa. So are they helping with the issue in Colombia? Uh, they're not. I, I mean, I think that probably Colombia has to just figure it out. There aren't things I could find to donate to like... I'm sure it's not at the top of their list. Yeah. I feel like Colombia has a lot of other issues. They got other they things going out. on. So yeah. I thought, you know, African hippos are in decline. We should support an organization that supports... 100%. I love it. So we can donate. Can we adopt a hippo? Part of the reason why they are uh, declining is uh, the human-wildlife conflict. So there is like habitat loss for sure. But um, hunting is actually a big part of why hippos are in decline. Mm. And hundreds of hippos are shot each year. And that's just to minimize. It's not like people are eating them or anything. It's just the danger of being attacked attacked by hippos. They're scared. They're scared. So they just kill them out of fear. Right. Aw. Yeah. It is very, it is very sad. Um, and then also there's, I guess people um, will take their teeth. Oh, for what? 
I don't know if it's part of the ivory trade, if it's like similar to the ivory trade because the teeth are very large. Or there's there's no like weird ass medicinal use. They, yeah, they do get, they it looks like the hippo teeth get exported and sent to China. Uh, it doesn't actually say, but I would assume that if it's part of like the ivory trade, then that's, you know, Ugh, they're going to. Guys, come on. People pushing them out of their habitat and then hunting. So the African Wildlife Foundation is protecting an astounding diversity of species, humans included. So they do stuff for people as well so they do like animals people and land so i think culture they focus on yeah, culture as well. i think you i think that is the direction everybody's having to go yeah because you can't just support the wildlife one side yeah, yeah. uh so to protect populations f- from further decline our on the ground safeguards involve training rangers and using sniffer dogs to stop wildlife traffickers so that's very good and they want wildlife to survive in their natural habitat so they empower local communities through conservation friendly development and work with international agencies to protect africa's natural nice. So it is like a threefold. So it looks like they work all over Africa, Congo, Niger, Tanzania, Uganda, Zimbabwe. And then they do have an office in North America in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Um, they have an office in the United Kingdom in Switzerland. Yeah, they're kind of all over. Well, they've been around a while. They've been around a while. They're they're pretty distributed. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So go check out their site. I'll have it on there. AWF.org. Got it. Emergency preparedness kit. All right. We had the break. Yeah. Take a moment. I had to think about that because, okay. So if you're in Colombia, it sounds Mm -hmm. like there's no attacks. Yeah. All they're doing is just messing up the ecosystem with all their poops and toots. So probably just throwing a little beano at those guys. Just, you know, come on, guys. Take it Get it together. (laughs) Just, we know you like to fling your poo. We know you like to toot excessively. You're messing up everything for the fish but let's jump back over to africa because i feel like that's where if you're gonna have you know need something in your emergency preparedness kit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's where you would want to be because that's where people get attacked yeah i'm thinking about the poo situation if they're flinging their poo like a windshield wiper with their tail (laughs) yeah i'm sure every hippo biologist would be like wow this is amazing science (laughs) right here maybe if you fought back with the poo yeah you would deter them right yeah so i'm thinking there has to be some hippo poo involved like you would need some a a large quantity maybe probably a large quantity i'm thinking like how you decorate cake (laughs) you know some sort of ketchup dispenser or something that can quickly shoot 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 it it back at them a nerf gun gun somehow that you would be able to fling the poo back at them and in worst case scenario cover yourself in poo sure i'm pretty sure they'd leave you alone you're just like a giant turd hippo turd and they'd be like (laughs) all right i'm cool obviously you've been marked or you're just insane and i'm just gonna leave you alone yeah i like that i i wonder if we could have like a slingshot like poo slingshot right i'm thinking of all the all the things that you a t-shirt cannon yeah but it's like you want it to be more dispersy yeah. Not you, so like Like turd. silly string? Yes. A silly string dispenser full of hippo, hippo poo. poo. That's amazing. <laughs> silly string is exactly... Well, it's flingy. It's flingy. Yeah. And it kind of like stays in its place. Right. Yeah. Or, it's or like, it could just be hippo poo. What, um, if, what if it was just scented? scented? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Brain meld. God, we're uh, getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I think I like that. Hippo poo hippo scented. Hippo poo scented silly, silly string. string. Yes. Oh man. That's really good. And you're just flinging it right back at them. And then you're not actually putting actual feces all over your body. True that. You just smell like it. You just smell like it. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're eating a lot of grass. That's not like super stinky, right? Cow poo doesn't smell so good. Okay, let's go with the silly string. And then if you needed to, you could just squirt it on yourself Mm -hmm. and run away. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Get on a horse. I mean, there's a lot of science behind using scent. As deterrents or attractants, depending on what you want to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So just saying. I like it. This sounds scientifically plausible. I'm guaranteeing nobody's tried the silly string. Guaranteed. This is, hey, TM. I mean, you could make it so that it's biodegradable, made of natural products. We're going to launch this. I like it. Any day now. (laughs) Hippo poo scented silly string. Yes, done deal. That's going to be flying off the shelves. Uh Oh, anyway, yeah. amazing. We have a couple of patrons to shout out, don't we? Do. Well, we already brought up Nancy. 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 Thank you. See, we can say your name. I promise not to be weird about it. Uh, our next patron we would like to shout out is Curtis. 
And Curtis actually has a business. Jen and I have been talking about this, that we have noticed that some of you guys are artisans. A lot. Artists. Photographers, painters, um, sculptors. So many. And so we have decided that what we'd like to do is create a page on our website where we can highlight what you do. If you're interested in this and you're an artist or photographer or you have a small business that makes things, a maker, Send us a bio that you would like and we'll put you on the website and promote you. We would love that because you guys are doing super cool things. And actually, Curtis, his company is called Built on the Rock. It's a driftwood decor. Yeah. And so he repurposes driftwood, coal pieces of wood he finds. He's mm-hmm. based in Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee. And yeah, so it's furniture and decor. It's crafted with driftwood recovered mm-hmm. from the waterways of middle America, he says. And you can go to his site, builtontherockdriftwood.com. That's so cool. And I like that he does like kind of like before and after photos sometimes or like videos mm-hmm. where he like cleans out crevices in the drift. It's so satisfying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those and his stuff cool. is amazing it's It's very beautiful beautiful. yes definitely check that out so our other new patron is charlie she has a cute collection of danger noodles colubrids or however you say it charlie wrote to us and said she is a colubrid snake keeper which is super cool and she works with teenagers in social care foster system they like really like the stories which we think is amazing they're making their own uh, ideas about emergency preparedness kits which reminds me of another patron of ours who's also we've talked about last week who is also doing that laura so i think that's so cool how educators and folks working with teens and kids are like talking about ways to survive in nature and you know our impact on nature and all of that stuff we think it's amazing so thank you so much charlie for joining our little nature nerd family and curtis we're so happy to have you guys so the other thing is is since we have a lot of educators and people working with you know young people teenagers and such Mm -hmm. we realize our podcast has explicit and mostly that's the content but also because occasionally we would drop an f-bomb um, yes. We actually, in the last several episodes, we stopped because number one, I was thinking like, what if you have your kids in the car? There's always that. And the other thing is, is that we do realize we have a lot of educators and we thought if you did want your teenagers, I imagine young kids wouldn't want to listen, but maybe some teenagers would listen mm-hmm. that we'd at least drop out any of that. We're going back through to either bleep those out, which I can't find a good bleeper noise. But anyway, either bleep them out or, or just cut, cut them it. Out. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to change our content. We're still going to talk about poops and, you know, it's all the same mating underwater and hot tubs and stuff. Listen, but, it's just going to be PG-13. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so, there will still be some words, but there won't be any F-bombs. We'll probably still keep the explicit rating. I think we have to if we're talking about people being eaten and such. Right. Or some of it is just a little more rough if there's death can or be. if folks yeah. involved in. And we try to do trigger warnings for stuff that's like super gruesome, like that 127 hours episode we did on Aaron, mm-hmm. Aaron Ralston. And also the Appalachian Trails, they're a little tough over the holidays. We'll clean up some of the earlier episodes. Yeah. Well, now that I've learned how to take out all that silence, <laughs> it'll just be all the rest of the episodes. There's just no S's in it. There's no plurals. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> there's no past tense. We don't have time for that. <laughs> we're it'll here be, for you. Yeah. 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 We're trying. We're trying. Doing our best. <laughs> Making an effort. Mostly it's Megan dropping the F bombs. Whatever. <laughs> Bleepity bleep. Thank you again to our patrons. And if you would like to become a patron, check out our website, click on our Patreon link, or you can go to our link tree on Instagram and check out our Patreon that way. Other ways you can support, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker. Possibly two if you send us pictures of your pets. Fill out the contact form on our website, or you can just email us at you're going to die out there at gmail.com and send me your mailing address. It's that easy. You can also support us by checking out our sponsor links on our website sponsor page. All of our sponsors are eco-friendly, zero waste. You will get discounts using our discount codes and the links that we provide. And you can also support us by following us on Instagram or Twitter and listening on any platform like Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh, and if you have ideas for stories or you saw some interesting news or some science news, feel free to send us an email or send us a DM on Instagram. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.
you're like checking your headphones. You keep pulling them out. You're like, oh, is there something like the dust them off? Or like, what's happening? You blow on them or like a tape. Just like blow on it. Maybe it'll work now. I want to say real quick back to my video store days. I yes. was listening to that age 12. Yes. Because Megan's got me on that. That and Drunk History. I don't know how. I just, I don't know. I just haven't watched. I'm not cool. I just don't keep up with stuff. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. But anyway, so I was listening to that age 12, the Goonies episode because. Mm-hmm. I was 11 when it was in the theater. I saw it. I was the perfect age for seeing Goonies and falling in love with Sean Austin. So I love listening to that episode. But I just want to say they talked about Martha Plimpton in it. Oh, yeah. And yes. that she is like, you know, the coolest and does all this theater and it's mm-hmm. in New York in this. I don't know if she's from Seattle or she was living in Seattle, but she used to come into the video store and rent what? videos when I was there. God. Was basically exactly how you would think Martha Plimpton would be. She would just kind of walk up very bothered, like slam down the video cases, you know, because it was VHS and they would bring you know you'd bring mm-hmm. the movie up like with no video inside yeah so i went down kind of look around and i'd be like oh you might if you like these you might want to try this and just give me my goddamn videos <laughs> she just like gives you side eye she just she gives me even some look side at eye yeah, she doesn't no. fully like turn her face to you i was like i loved you in goonies <laughs> <laughs> i loved you in parenthood <laughs> why did you just drink your water like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> oh I've never drank a Coke. Well, I pretended to. I think I've tasted it by accident. Did you do one of those things like on What We Do in the Shadows where Laszlo is like drinking (laughs) at the bar with that other vampire and they just like throw the beer behind them? Yes. And they're like, this American beer tastes really good. This human beverage. (laughs) That is is 100%. I'm like a carbonation vampire. I love it. Because when I was a kid in church, I was little, like mm-hmm. seven, six, I don't know. They had one of those where you could get the Cokes in the bottle. Yeah. From the, you know, from the oh, machine. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm, I swear I'm not like that. I don't know. Anyway. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and so you could pop it, pop the lid. Yeah. And all the kids were getting a Coke. Mm-hmm. So I got a Coke and I just stood around and held it. I was like, yeah. And then I went and I poured some out in the bathroom, came back and held it. And I was like, sweet. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> and every birthday party, when my friends and I would go to these places, you know, yeah. like with all the games, we'd all be cheersing with our drink. And theirs would all be soda and mine would be milk. <laughs> I can show you that picture. It's it's great. There's something just like so adorable about that. (laughs) So I was just like, whatever. Oh, man. I wasn't allowed to have drinks like that. If I went to a party, I was like the kid who had like the whole liter or like two liter. I'd be like, (laughs) I would just be like filling it up. Because your mom would never leave. Yeah. Just like pounding them. (laughs) I'd be like, this stuff is great. Oh, we're like opposites. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. People would have like sleepovers and I would go over and sleep over and it would be like seven o'clock and my eyes would fly open. It didn't matter what time we went to bed. They, I would just be awake. So you'd be like hanging out with their parents. Yes. They're all the their parents are like sleeping. drinking coffee. I'm like, hey, they're like, oh, there's cereal. They're like, who the hell is this kid? Oh, my God. You just start like vacuuming. Yeah. I'm like, do you need some help with the dishes? They're, they're do, like, I can clean your fans for you. Is that? They're like, come over anytime, sweetheart. Right? It's true. Parents did really love people. I just drank everybody's milk. People, please. <laughs> okay. But I will say as an adult, I drink everybody's milk. I, just a real quick, just a real quick shout out. To, and I don't drink milk anymore. Oh, I freaking love milk is like. Uh, she drinks. She goes through gallons of milk. So it's good. freakish. It's weird, and I it's like I, something I hate about myself, but also I just love milk so much. And Kat, it, I know Don't she's hate listening. it about yourself. I know Kat is listening to this. We would go over to our, our derby sister friend, like amazing person, Lucy's house, and I would just be like, you guys still have milk? It's <laughs> like, I just got to pour this milk real quick. Milk, yeah. At some point, when I was, blood. it is, when I was like 16, a friend of mine, Rebecca, taught me to put ice in my milk. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good stuff right there. It is. It like changed my world. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, sorry. That just made me think of, <laughs> that just made me think of in high school, I was so excited to drink this milk one time. <laughs> <laughs> It was lunch and I opened it up and I just like guzzled it and it was it was like rotten. Oh no. <laughs> it had chunks in it and I didn't I like I was like, wow, the milk is a real weird today. <laughs> <laughs> I like smelled it. I like smelled it and I drank a little bit more and I was like, no, You drink no. more. You drank more. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is bad. 
<laughs> and then I took it back and I got a new one. Most people would have like smelled it, put it down, mm-hmm. and then been like, I'm good. I don't need milk anymore for right. the next week. And I was like, can I switch this out? You're like, I finished this one. I think it was bad. Can I have another <laughs> can one? Can I have another one? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you're so funny. 